Good morning. This is the Eager Beaver Show. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver Media Podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Good morning and hello kids and welcome to season three and episode number 231 of the Daily Beaver Morning Show here on the Cryer Media Network. Yeah. <laughs> Today, recording day is Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. And it's going to be a rainy day here at the Beaver Lodge, at least for the morning with maybe a little bit of sunshine popping up this afternoon to say hello. I'm your host, the eager beaver pronouns he, him, hey, Mr. Beaver A, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Mr. Grizzly. We have a Wednesday morning nibble for you, but before we do anything else, oh yes, we must thank our sponsors, the Peppermaster, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarotNow.com. And then we ask Mr. Grizzly, how his mental health is doing today? How are you? How's your mental health doing today, sir? I, um... <clears throat> I'm good. I'm just, I'm very tired this morning. I had a very long day yesterday. I didn't get home till eight o'clock last night. And then once I got home, I had a bunch of stuff I had to do. So I didn't get to bed till 1130 and yeah, didn't sleep. It's just one of those things. You have a busy day and when you get home, you have more life stuff to take care of. That was my day. So I'm good. I'm just tired. Just mm-hmm. tired. I definitely was tired because I woke up at the last possible fail-safe alarm. <laughs> I blew past the early ones, 6.50. The alarm oh, rang. That's like, oh, okay, you, you really need to get up. Yeah, because normally I, for some reason, my internal clock usually wakes up before the alarm. So if the alarm actually rings, the first one, that's one thing. If the second one rings, that's wow. <laughs> you were sleeping. That boy can sleep. There you go. Look at that beaver sleep. <laughs> All right. Today in the news, my friends, 
the big thing we can't avoid was really big and international. And it had to do with uh, the Israel-Hamas conflict, and it was that hospital uh, that was destroyed in a blast. Uh, according to CNN, hundreds of people were likely killed uh, in the blast at the al I'm, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Al-Ali al Baptist Hospital in the center of Gaza City, where thousands were sheltering from Israeli strikes, the Palestinian Health Ministry said in a statement. This led to tons of protest. Of course, when something like this happens, there's a lot of not claiming responsibility. We saw it a lot in the Ukraine-Russia conflict where things were happening in Ukraine and Ukraine were saying Russia's doing this and you had Putin going, we're not doing anything, Ukraine. Why are you punching yourself? Stop punching yourself. Why are you throwing bombs on yourself? Okay, you guys must be so incompetent. They're playing that like us. Oh, no, we would never do that. Israel is saying us. That, that wasn't one of ours. That was one of uh, the Hamas rockets that hit the hospital that was misfired. And all of that would be believable, or you would hope would be believable. But we had an incident, I believe it was last year in May, I think it was, where there was a lady, a journalist named Shireen Abu Akle. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. She was on assignment in Janine in the occupied West Bank. She's a Palestinian journalist. And one in while she was covering something, I believe it was a raid, she was shot. And then Israel denied up and down for days, maybe possibly weeks, that it was the Israeli military that had shot her. They said that the Israeli military said it's soldiers that come under soldiers that come under attack with heavy gunfire and explosives while operating in Janine, and that they fired back, and that it was investigating the event. And then, I'm guessing it took a while, but then Israel finally did have to admit that the bullet that uh, felled her came from her side. But then. In it then became something, I guess she, she maybe wasn't in the right place when she was doing her job or something, right? It was somehow her fault, even though she's an extremely experienced journalist. Uh, so there's a habit or tradition of first saying, no, it didn't come from us. You, you guys must have taken out your own. We don't know. In this case, it, it's way too soon. The problem is, is that so far, in this conflict we're just a little over a week closing in on two according to the huffington post at least 17 journalists 13 palestinian three israeli and one lebanese have died while covering the ongoing conflict 17 journalists already dead and some would arguably say that for one of the side, journalists are a legitimate target. Even though they're not supposed to be. Like at all. 
because as we were reminded yesterday, I'm pretty sure it was the prime minister itself. Yeah, even war has rules. Not enough information out there, but, and we probably won't know for a while, but targeting hospitals, that's a no. That's definitely a no, and targeting journalists, that's a no. These things are happening. Also happening, that's complicating the issue is that people in Israel are extremely angry with Netanyahu. They're not happy with him at all. According to Reuters, public fury over some 1,300 Israeli fatalities has been further fueled by Netanyahu's signature self-styling as a Churchillian strategist who foresaw national security threats. Another backdrop is social polarization. This year, over his religious nationalist coalition's judicial overhaul drive, which triggered walkouts by some military reservists and raised doubts, now borne out in blood, some argue, about combat readiness. The intelligence failure in this case is massive, and he is wearing it. And according to an opinion poll in Merov newspaper, it found that 21% of Israelis want Netanyahu to remain prime minister after the war, but 66% said someone else, and 13% are undecided. We're in election held today. The poll found that Likud would lose a third of its seats, while the centrist National Unity Party of his main rival, Benny Gantz, would grow by a third, setting up the ladder for top office. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot I'm rarely speechless I know and according to Al Jazeera when we're talking about the journalists here says that every second in danger Gaza journalists race against deadlines and death risking their lives amid Israeli strikes Palestinian journalists carry on working despite little internet connection and electricity outages it's so, all yeah. bad none and, of it is good and he's going to suffer. Yeah. And you have to remember again, like if you haven't seen it, these journalists wear a vest that's mm. very padded. And right here mm. in front, huge gray background, Journalist. big blue letters, press, or on the back, black tag, white letters, media, or something. But it, it's huge. Okay. It's, you can't miss it. They're very identified. It literally takes up like this much space on the chest. Mm -hmm. Press. It's huge. It's not missable. Yep. So it's. I don't know, man. I don't know. But dead journalists in a conflict are definitely not a great thing. Every year we celebrate National Press Freedom Day or World Press Freedom Day exactly for this. And, you know. We recently had a journalist from the Philippines, Maria Reza, who won the Nobel Prize, Nobel Peace Prize a few years ago. I mean, journalists, oh, we love to bitch on them and bitch about them and point out when they're not doing well and when they're failing. But 
when we're talking about foreign correspondence. I don't know if you saw the clip a few days ago, like in the early days, they had Clarissa Ward from CNN. She was like on the ground and she had the camera on the ground and she was lying down on her side and still reporting because there was shelling and everybody was told to duck mm -hmm. and she was reporting while it was going on. And even though she's on the ground and her heart must be going like a million beats per minute. <laughs> She's remaining as placed and as calm as one can be. And is just delivering the news. Mr. Grizzly, I'll... Dedication. Yeah, I will... I haven't seen it. I'll send you a Twitter link and you can play it. I, I watched that one clip and I think, to think that when I was a kid... I wanted to be a foreign correspondent. I, I would, as an adult, I would not have been able to hack it. I would not have been able to hack it. I don't think under that amount of pressure or stress, I would have held up in the way that she has. When we're in a conflict like that, that's really when we see the value of journalists and how dangerous their job really is. Because the same person who one day is covering, oh, that car bumped into a lamp pole, a few years later could be there. Look at Katie Simpson. She was covering the Doug Ford beat, and all of a sudden now she's covering Washington. You yeah. never know when you're going to get your moment that brings you to national attention. Anderson Cooper. He started out covering wars as a foreign correspondent. Look at him now. Mm -hmm. Well, he still does. Oh, yeah, he still does. He still does go in, but look at him now. Yeah, the journalist thing, that might become a huge issue if they keep dying at this rate. All right. I think that's enough for that today. I'm just trying to think. Look here if I got a couple of other notes. Let's see if I can get this video launched for you. It's having, okay. It's having issues. Okay. All right. There are. Sorry, did you say you had it right now or? Okay. No, you didn't. All right. The our parties. I haven't played um, it yet. Okay. Yes, I know. Our parties are making statements again. Prime Minister Trudeau is making the point of making uh, the statement according to international law. So Canada fully supports Israel's right to defend itself in accordance with international law, and in Gaza as elsewhere, international law, including humanitarian law, must be upheld by all. Even wars have rules. Pierre Polièvre said there can be and will there will be and there can be no negotiating with Hamas. Hamas can only be destroyed. Let it be said that the suffering of the Palestinian people is a tragedy. Every innocent human life, Palestinian or Israeli, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, or otherwise, is of equal precious value. Those are the right words. I have a slight bit of trouble believing them coming from him, but 
they are the right words. And like I said, I don't believe he's a monster. So I will assume that's genuine, even though I still have a block when I hear him saying the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then, pardon, go ahead. Yes, I have the video for you. Okay. And then I'll just finish with this one. And then yesterday there was an MP from the New Democrats. It wasn't Mr. Singh. I'm not sure if he was in the house yesterday. And she was very emotional. She said, Mr. Speaker, New Democrats are devastated by the brutal massacre and terrorist attack by Hamas, who on October 7th killed over 13, is sorry, 1,300 Israeli civilians, including women, children, and the elderly. Among those victims were Canadians. And the tally there has gone up. I, I don't want to report numbers off the top of my head because I don't remember them, but we're definitely at more than two deaths now of Canadians. Members of our communities, the accounts of yeah, members of our communities, the accounts of what was done to Israelis in this attack, including what was done to children, horrifies every one of us. This morning, Defense for Children International confirmed that more than 1,030 children in Gaza have been killed by Israeli forces since October 7th. That is one child, Mr. Speaker, every 16 minutes. And then she said, "One that is one child every 16 minutes a second time, pretty much through tears. That's pretty harsh. Uh, that's pretty harsh. So there are people, we have to remember when we're discussing this, Canada being a pluralistic society, we have people that have loved ones that are being adversely affected by this on both sides of that border. So care with the words that we use is not necessarily a bad thing. All right, Mr. Grizzly, uh, let's, again, let's see some Clarissa good committed journalism. is on the ground right now. Clarissa, tell us what's happening. Hi, John. So for an elegant position, but we have just had a massive barrage of rockets coming in here, not too far from us. So we have had to take shelter here by the roadside. We're just about five minutes away. Gaza is in that direction. We can hear now a lot of jets uh, in the sky. We could also hear the Iron Dome intercepting uh, a number of those rockets as they were whizzing overhead and making impact in that direction not too far from here. We came to this location because this was ground zero uh, for this entire operation of carnage. Hamas militants came uh, on a pickup truck. This was the first place where they breached that border wall and they basically drove down this strip just spraying lead wherever they went. We saw, in fact, I was just grabbing it before that happened and we had to hit the deck, but heavy weaponry being used. It's saying we can get up now. Where are we moving to? Sorry, just one second. Okay. All right, so now I can show you the scene here. This is where those militants first came, opening up fire on all these vehicles. There's a baby carriage down there, turned over on its side. You can see over there, Clayton, if you just show in the distance there, some kind of strikes, looks like in Gaza as well. Return fire. Or is that the smoke from the rocket launches? Forgive me. It's a little difficult after being crouched in a ditch to know exactly what's been going on. Okay. She starts 
with forgive me for being in an Ill- inelegant position. Mm-hmm. How much presence? Like, d- dude, you don't need to be forgiven for anything. <laughs> okay, one of the first replies I see is give her an Oscar. Yep. It, like, people are think this is fake and she was acting, playing it out. I'm like, oh. yep. Just. The things, Just the things stop. people must tell themselves. Th- that's why I have pity when I keep on saying I feel sorry for these people. Imagine living, this is what I'm saying, imagine living your life, going through life, being absolutely convinced that everybody that is working for a reputable network who has trained, who has made a career, who has made a profession, who is out there risking life and limb to bring you the story, to bring you the images. Thinking everybody, every time, is only there to trick you, to fool you, to deceive you, to pull one over you, to make your life miserable, to lie to you. Imagine how dark that place, how dark your soul is to imagine, oh yeah, she must be acting. Give us, give her an Oscar. Those kids at the school who just got shot at were crisis actors. Yeah, that Sandy Hook how didn't dark think. Is your heart. They, like how, for that to be the first place you go to, that you can't imagine a world in which it is possible that a journalist would be covering a, covering a war and being legit. That's your starting point. That's why I keep on saying it's like I, I have nothing but pity because you guys are in a dark place. I could not imagine waking up every day believing well, that my government was there to try to eliminate me or torture me or put me down or put me, on, put me under its thumb. That's not a life. Example. I have another example of the gaslighter in... in I guess the the lead gaslighter in this country doing reinforcing what some of those sad people were saying. Watch this. It's only 40 seconds. We must ensure that we do not base our actions and our words on a moral equivalence between a terrorist organization and a legitimate state protecting itself. And we must ensure that we know all of our facts rather than instantaneously believing false and misleading headlines in publications like the CBC. We must ensure... Okay. That is disturbing, but the level of applause is really disturbing. Oh, yeah. What a shit gibbon. Yeah. Cockwomble, shit gibbon. A useless skin tag. Again, remember that? Wasn't that wasn't a moment the, the, for that. No, the soliloquy I read to you yesterday. Fired a shot on his own. Yesterday, country. I posted it. I'll pull the screen again. Yeah, 
This is who he is. This is who he is. This is who he is. He hates Canadians. I'm telling you, the only thing he wants, he does not want to govern. He wants so he can get more money and enrich his oligarchs who pull his strings. He's a cockwomble, a shit gibbon, a skin tag, a useless piece of walking, talking, breathing, human fecal matter, and he can fuck all the way off. Oh, my God. What a... Uh... Here's another clip for you. I just... This one is 41 seconds. There, there's more no opportunity of he won't pass on. No, there's, it, this is more of him. This is good. You're going to like this because he's getting called out for his bullshit. Certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Left wing, this and that, right wing, they, it's that type I of ideological never talk thing. About, I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I don't of really believe in that. Okay. A radical left radical leftist authoritarian this prime minister's leftist ideology marxist government socialist policies big socialist governments radical leftist agenda the socialist policies of the ndp with the government liberal ndp radical left champagne socialist leftist authoritarian i never really talk about left but or right anyways certainly you see that's the thing is when he's if he's going to do that, Twitter, the journalist is probably going to show up at one point. Okay, fine. You want sources? I'm going to do that. I'll bring them to you. Because, but an average citizen, when they're coming to talk to you, mm -hmm. it's like, you don't demand of them source facts, come with reports or stuff to ask you a question. And the thing is that so many people, so many people have said it, and he does it all the time, that when... If I was there and I was sitting there, it was like, says who? I would be sitting there going, ah, I, there have been so many, I can't isolate one. Which time? Every damn day? Which, yeah, yeah. It's, every time you open your fucking mouth. Right? So, like I said, just, I, I somebody put it on Twitter the other day. I wish somebody would just respond. I heard it from Brianna and Mustafa. Yeah. Yes. I'll never get a chance to have a one-on-one -on -one like that farmer did. Oh, no. Never. No. They'll never let me, me anywhere within 500 meters of that man. They'll never let me within they 500 know. meters. I will come armed with facts, and I will fire every single one of them right at his head. Even though I'm asking. Until, oh, oh, look, that's the thing. I, they would never let me get near him. No. So even though I'm as sweet as apple pie, they would never let me get near him either because oh. I, I would say something that would trigger him. Actually, the... What Cassie just put here in the chat, in his arrogant mind, he's saying, how do you like them apples? He actually did say that. When he, he tweeted it. And that was, how do you like them apples? And there was part one, there was a part two. I didn't watch it. I just, because... And he was proud of it. The only way I assume that gets, that thing works for him is if somewhere in part two, that guy who he's talking to somehow got Jedi mind tricked into converting his mind and said, yeah, you know what, hey, I will consider you. Because otherwise, that, that, 
the bit that I've seen does not impress me. And it certainly didn't make me want to watch the rest. I probably should at some point, so I know what I'm talking about. But in that previous thing where we see where he's sitting, where he's sitting at the the podium, and he's talking about mm-hmm. the facts, not co- commenting without knowing the facts. Dude, you can't get the facts. You don't have the security clearance. You are literally of all the party leaders are the one that's oh, except for Blachette who didn't get his either. But I'm not sure he cares about the issue all that much, at least politically. Because it has nothing to do with Quebec. So, it has nothing to do with him or his, or his problems. Or, or his mandate or whatnot. So, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as a human being, yes. But as a politician, no. why touch that? Not at all. Uh, there's nothing in it for him. But Podiev, like seriously, we need to know the facts. And like this, and that's why we can't trust media like CBC. And it's like, who are you relying on? You, go and you can't even see the intel. That's because if I get the security clearance, Justin Trudeau will show me something and say, that's security clearance, then I won't be able to talk about it. No, if I'll be able were, to gin up. But if you were worried about that, your, then why did race you show me? Yeah, but if you are worried about that, then why did you show up at that unity rally with him? He's trying to play both sides against the middle. If you really believe that the prime minister would want you to get your security clearance to show you information not, not only on election interference or political interference in Canada, but on what's going on, actually really, Russia, Ukraine, what's really going on, Israel, Hamas. So what, you you think that the Prime Minister is going to gag you on that too? Just, uh, either the Prime Minister is this horrible person who's this big anti-Semite, like you guys keep on claiming he is or suggesting obliquely that he is, and you shouldn't be seen or caught dead at an event with him. But you went to that unity rally with him. It's a little little bit like John Baird introducing the prime minister as a great prime minister, and then the next day going, oh my God, you took my words out of context, really? Or CBC manipulated by words, really? Because we played them in their integral yeah. version. <laughs> I have I a really good tweet thread here from James Christian Parsons at dread oh. underscore Tory. He's good. D-R-E-D Tory. That's a, a really recommended His writing is absolutely. So in response to Mac Foss, Max Fawcett talking about the, the apple orchard encounter, James Christian Parsons, this is what he has to say, and it's really good. I'll read you the thread. This encounter, as well as its viral diffusion on right-wing social media, is a fascinating glimpse into the psychology of the Canadian right. What we see here is a member of Canada's social, political, and cultural elite, the millionaire leader of the official opposition, sneeringly berating Don Urquhart, the editor of the Times Chronicle, a, a tiny local BC paper, the kind of ordinary Canadian the CPC claims to champion. Urquhart isn't part of the Laurentian elite. He's the opposite, a Westerner operating a small press, most likely on a shoestring budget. In this encounter, Urquhart is the little guy, and Polyev is the elite bully. Nevertheless, North America's right-wing social media network inverts this polarity completely and presents this event as a David versus Goliath conflict in which Polyev is the doughty, valiant David who slays the establishment Goliath. It's an inversion worthy of classic Pravda. The right-wing nutjob online ecosystem, particularly in the United States, has been taking various Joy and Polyev's 
oafish bullying, reveling in his Urquhart bashing, using words like destroy, smack down, and dismantle, and describing Urquhart, Urquhart baselessly as a left wing for good measure. The sadism that runs through the right-wing response to this clip strips away the populist, anti-elite veneer of Polyev's movement and exposes the boot-in-the-face authoritarianism that drives it and its broader global manifestation. For them, it's not about confronting arbitrary, unearned power on behalf of the little people. It's about deploying power against the little people on behalf of themselves and the members of their ideological clan. Yep. Yep. And... What you mentioned is uh, another account, Noel Narwhal. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Said it's wild that they keep posting this video thinking that it makes him look like anything other than a petulant and arrogant prick. And it dawned on me last night. I'm starting, because we're sitting there, we're going, nobody's going to buy that. I'm starting to get the feeling that's precisely the vibe they're going for. Yes, it is. I think that the strategy is that people like to see themselves in their representatives. So he is acting in a way that he wants people to see themselves. Yes. And the people that are seeing themselves and in him, not all of them, but the most fervent ones behave exactly like that and worse. This this individual, Mr. Urquhart, who runs a small community paper. Yeah. But that, that's enough. That's the just one drop, right? Yep. Yeah, that's well that's what that's it is. That's the right? just one one drop what just one drop of journalist blood makes you you're a little too close to the mic, Sorry. sir. We're getting some distortion. Yeah, we're getting a little distortion. You're right, just one drop. And here's the other thing to think about. That if he's going to attack a small business owner, an average, ordinary Canadian small business owner, because he asked him a question, cite, cite an example, give me an example. You know what, Polyev? Seriously. Pierre Polyev, member uh, of parliament, loyal of the official opposition of Canada. You're a raging asshole. Speak to people like they're people. You spoke down to an average Canadian small business owner like he was muck on your shoe that you needed to scrape off. Fuck you. Fuck you. Speaking of Pepe Van Snipes, there's another little video of him that appeared recently where he's promoting businesses and keeping businesses in the family. Remember that? thing I mentioned yesterday where it says common sense conservative law lets parents pass business to their kids, keep it in the family and bring it home. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. How do you keep, if you're keeping something in the family, if it was in the family to start with and you're keeping it there, how are you bringing it home? Shouldn't it have been somewhere else in order to bring it home? Like he literally just says, bring it home at the end of anything, whether it makes sense or not. Whether it's the time or not. Doesn't make sense. It's just stupid. All right. Do you have it set up, sir? And remember, folks, he is um, a puppet. He's a puppet. I've got the video. Oh, yeah, total puppet. He's a puppet. He's controlled by yeah. All right. his IDU overlord, Daddy Steven. All right. Here. Let's play this. Again, British Columbia. 
here. They work on distribution of really important projects. This we're in their wonderful warehouse. And up until recently, it has been a tax policy of the government that if you pass your business down to your kids, you're not eligible to have the capital gains tax exemption. But if you sell it to a foreign multinational, you are. And that was punishing businesses and farmers for passing the business down the line. Conservatives brought in a private member's bill to change that and bring tax fairness for family businesses, transferring ownership from father to son, mother to daughter. And that'll mean that intergenerational family businesses can enjoy the same lower tax treatment as sales to other businesses. So, so Amy can one day take over the business. Maybe, is it Dave? Yeah. Dave as well uh, can take over the business and pass it down the line and the legacy can stay and continue. That's what we need. Family business. Common sense. Yeah. So let's bring it home. All right. Okay. Number one. He's bragging about a private member's bill. It's not even freaking government policy. It's private member's bill. Very few of them ever pass. And he starts that whole clip. The first sentence is Mr. Uppel has a beautiful business. That's not just Mr. Uppel. That's member of parliament. The Honorable Tim Apple. Pariev is actually, yes, promoting a fellow MP's family's business in that class. It's all kinds of unethical. Yeah. All kinds of unethical. Like completely, completely unethical. He used totally. He, I, he, I would assume you he can't used, do that. No, I would assume he used party funds that come from political donations, which are about 60% financed by you, me, everyone, the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. Thanks to our political donation tax credit law. He's taken some of that money, public money, portion of it is public money, and used it to create an advert that promoted the business of the family of a fellow MP and then bragged that the party was doing something to help families pass from generation to generation with equal tax treatment to other businesses on a private member's bill. Yeah. Not even party policy. Whatever the equivalent for stolen valor is in politics, You can't write off a private member's just like you can't allow a private member's bill to pass on abortion or conversion therapy and say you're against those things. Because if you let them be debated, you've created an opportunity for them to pass. If you were against them, really, you would not even open that door to allow that to happen. And on the other hand, claim that what he's claiming right now that you can actually promote a fellow MP's business and it's not you can't walk both those lines at the same time nope. you can't what 
What are you saying here? Wait, he can promote an MP's business in a political ad, but Trudeau couldn't go skiing as a child with David Johnston? As a child, he went skiing with David Johnston. He was 12 years old. Uppel is an... Ski buddy. Uppel is a member, is an MP, sitting MP right now. And not only a sitting MP, but a member of the, the core little group, the deputy leaders and the house leader and whatnot, yeah. the little core mm -hmm. group of 12. Uppel is there in, in that group too. Isn't Pierre's See, here's the most thing. inner circle. Here's the thing that, that kills me, is he just did a political ad promoting the business of a fellow member of parliament. He did a political ad. We're not in an election cycle, number one. That's two years away. Number two, there's so many ethics violations right there. And he's proud and bragging about what he just did. We need to make hay of this shit right now. This needs to be brought up. This needs to be on the front page of every newspaper that he is in clear violation of ethics. He is promoting the business of a fellow doing so with party funds. There, there's so many violations going on there. How in the fuck is this guy still in office? His lies alone should be enough to get him called out. I just, I don't know what to think anymore about what is happening to the, the our Westminster system of parliamentary democracy in this country when somebody can lie every single goddamn time he opens his fucking mouth and get away with it. How is that possible? Somebody tell me, because we're in the upside down right now. This mere uh, running a scout troop, let alone a country, he is a dangerous thing to democracy in this country. I cannot believe that he's allowed to get away with this every single goddamn day. Nobody holds him responsible. And then when he confronts a small town, local community newspaper, the owner of that publication, a community newspaper. The guy's not a millionaire. He's trying to run a paper and do an interview, and he's so smarmy that it eats an apple in his face the whole time he's talking to him. Cite the examples. I don't talk about left. I don't talk about right. And then I just showed you a video where he did it multiple times. This smarmy prick. Look. I am not nice to that man. There's good reason. He doesn't deserve to be treated nicely. He does not deserve to be treated nicely because he is such a raging, rage farming. I'm trying to contain my anger right now. Mm -hmm. I'm trying very, I'm trying not to swear my brains out and call him out for the shit gibbon, cock womble, useless skin tag that he is. But he is the death of democracy if that man ever gets elected to, to, to prime minister. We're done. We're finished if he gets in office. I'm telling you, we are done. And the worst part is the people who will be harmed by him the most don't even know it. And they're the ones who will get him elected, and then they will get upset when they realize, oh, we, I guess we fucked up, eh? Yeah, listen to us. We're telling you the truth. Do I say vote for Trudeau? Do I say vote for... No. I said, get yourself informed. This man is not fit to run a Boy Scout troop. We say don't vote for assholes. We say vote yes. for people who don't show outright contempt for two-thirds of the country. 
<laughs> I don't tell you who to vote for, but I can tell you somebody you shouldn't vote for. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm just, uh, and you will notice also that uh, if you happen to be on Twitter, there is absolutely no tweet from Spencer or Fernando or Terrazano mm -hmm. or whatever his name is from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation being upset that our taxpayers' dollars are being used by a leader of a party to promote a fellow MP family business. We don't get word. There's no video from Minimi Pierre mm -hmm. with his glasses or sometimes contacts in that high squeakly voice and flapping his arms a lot like Spencer likes to do. Pointing his finger, putting his finger in your face like Pierre likes to do all the time too. Every time Pierre's talking, at one point his, his fingers comes out at us some, somewhere. Somehow he loves doing that. They'll point out somebody else's oftentimes not even real thing. Look at this violation. Turns out it wasn't a violation but never call out their guy. And then they'll accuse us of, you guys are liberal cocksoup. No, actually, we call them out when they screw up too. And again, we're not reporters, we're not journalists. We are left of center, we don't make it. We don't make a secret of that. But we're gonna call out everybody who does bad stuff, period, all the time, never fails. You do something bad, we're going to hold you responsible for it. You lie, we're going to hold you responsible for it. Because we care about this country. We care about democracy. We care about having a country for, now I don't have children, but my partner does. And she wants them to have the opportunities that, well, the boomers had, because let's face it, Gen X didn't have a lot of the same opportunities as the boomers. Why? It all started in 1980 with the election of Ronald Reagan. That was the downhill start. And it affected us in this country as well, because... As Pierre uh, Trudeau said, when you lie next to it, when you're sleeping next to an elephant, when the elephant rolls over in bed, you better get out of the way or you get crushed. They're the most powerful nation on earth. Joe Biden is the most powerful man on earth. He's not the leader of the free world. God, I hate it when they say that. I hate that yeah. so much. We didn't vote for him. Nobody in Europe voted for him. Yep. He's not the leader of the free world. He is the most powerful man on earth. He controls trillions upon trillions of dollars, the largest military might on earth. All of that is true. And he's trying to, he's trying to bring it back to pre-Reagan days. And you notice all the Republicans who are fighting against him do it. Well, Polyev would be lockstep with Trump if Trump was to get back in. And he would take us so far back in time it would be the 1950s all over again, except without the prosperity. All the bad parts of the 50s, he would bring back. All the good parts of the 50s, they'd get thrown out. He's voted against housing. He's voted against unions. He's voted against wage increases. He's voted against care packages like CERB. He does not have your interest in mind. He cares not one bit about a single Canadian. He's responsible to his oligarchs. Yesterday, he went on about how the minister of food is wondering why the grocers are not doing anything to lower the prices. My response was, and what exactly will you do about it? Please share with us what you're going to do about it. Are you going to nationalize the grocers? No, the oligarchs that pull your strings won't allow that to happen. We know you don't have a plan. 
You're just rage farming. Trudeau bad, me good. That's all you ever have to say. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. How are we doing for time, sir? A cup of coffee and we got to start wrapping. I got to get into the office. Sorry, I'm I'm wound up this morning. Can you tell? I can tell. I can tell. My um, anxiety's getting the better of me and I had to get that out today. I couldn't hold it in any longer. And, and believe me, I held back a lot. All right. So you're stepping away for a couple of minutes? Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm going to grab a coffee and then we got to start wrapping. Okay. All right. Okay, kids, a uh, little update on uh, Manitoba as well, um, because yesterday we talked about um, Heather Stephenson's sort of, kind of, apology, but not really, for those ads. A former Manitoba cabinet minister, Rachel Squires, was interviewed by Power and Politics shortly after the election, and she had some interesting things to say. The journalist the host asked her, some of these ads were pretty strongly criticized as being cruel and insensitive and divisive. It's the way it's been described by a lot of people. And I've read some of the reporting, though, in the aftermath, and no one seems to take responsibility for the decision. Who decided to do this and what were they trying to do? And she responded, so as a former cabinet minister of that government, and certainly as someone who had held some senior portfolios throughout the time in office, I am certainly taking accountability along with everyone else who ran for the PCs who was part of the PC campaign. I think that we all have a level of responsibility, and I certainly take responsibility for that. Having said that, as a candidate, when we put our name on the ballot and we enter into that relationship, that very unique relationship between the, as a candidate, running for a party on a party platform and knowing that decisions are going to be made, it's not always going to be a consensus decision. You can't run a campaign like that with 57 candidates by having everything vetted by each and every candidate. So there's that sacred trust between a campaign manager and a campaign team and the candidates. And candidates are often put on a need-to-know basis about what's coming down in terms of policy or advertising. And I certainly do think that there was a stretch in this past campaign where candidates were not given a preview of any of the ads that were coming out. And candidates were not asked for opinions until after they were appearing in the papers or on billboards. And at that point, it was really too late for the opposition to these ads to be for for a different course to be taken. Then he asked youth, do you think you were deliberately kept in the dark about these choices because perhaps there was a sense at the top levels of the campaign they knew how controversial these positions might be? But she said, I couldn't speculate on that because I never stepped in the war room at all during the campaign. I was in a very difficult writing where certainly we were feeling the challenges from the day. The first day we stepped out on the campaign trail, we knew we were facing an uphill battle. I left my writing only a few times infrequently at the beginning of the campaign to make some campaign announcements and to be the face of the party on certain initiatives. And then once these ads became apparent and once they were out there on, like I said, on the billboards or in the newspapers, I withdrew from any campaign commitments or activities from that moment forward. So there was infighting in the campaign while that was going on. He asked, were you surprised to see her, Heather Stevenson, take the positions she took in this campaign after working with her for all those years? I think many people were surprised. Three months ago, we were making announcements for improving services for the LGBTQ plus community. We were making announcements for eradicating gender-based violence. We were signing a national action plan for improving the lives of the disenfranchised. We've renamed the Manitoba Status of Women's Secretariat to Gender Equity Manitoba, and we have increased funding significantly, unprecedented funding, for disability services to name a few. And so that is what I had certainly come to believe were values that she had held dear. And to her, I certainly know that this is the person that she is, and this is 
someone who would really stick her neck out for disenfranchised and underrepresented communities as she did in her last year's premiere. But she did it in her campaign, and that surprised her clearly because at one point she stopped being available to do campaign events in the name of the party. So just a little tidbit of what was going on behind the scenes. You often don't get that that look into campaigns particularly, but there's that was a cabinet minister that was not impressed with her party. Mm. And I think that she's retiring from politics as well, she's announced, because that so mm -hmm. left not a good taste in her mouth. Understandable. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, uh, and uh, a little bit of news with the AFN. It seems that Regional Chief Cindy Woodhouse, so is that Manitoba AFN Regional Chief, has announced her candidacy in the upcoming elections for National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. The election is scheduled to take place at the AFN's Special Chief Assembly in December. Chief Woodhouse is joined by Chief Derek Nipinak. That's a name that we've heard before. We've talked about him on our show. Mm. David Crate, Gordon Bluesky, Elwood Zastry, Trevor John, Angela Levasseur, Kyra Wilson, Garrison Seti, as well as Kathy Merrick and Garrett Woodhouse. So there is a lot of interest in this position. I, I like that. That's healthy. That's healthy. I hope that they come up with a, a really great candidate. All right. Kids, that's the end of this episode of the Daily Beaver Morning Show. We hope that you love listening to us because we loved making this for you and we love it when you join us. So thank you very much. Because sharing is caring, please tell everybody about our show. Spread the word. We appreciate it because uh, we know word of mouth is priceless and uh, you kids are amazing at providing it. So thank you. Because democracy is something that you do, please write your MPs, write your MPPs, your senators, your MLAs, your media, tell them that you demand better, especially your board trustees for schools and your city councillors. Remember, Paul, politics is local at the end of the day. Get out there and make your voice heard. And also, donate to the Red Cross if you have the opportunity. If you're living in the Northwest Territories, remember that you have a territorial election coming up on November 14th. So take the time to get to know your candidates and plan your vote. Let's see, what else do we have? If you would like to make sure that you do not miss a single episode of ours, then thanks to the Ray Girl, thank you, you lovely, lovely soul. You do not have to worry about that because you can go to our pod page site. If you're watching, you can scan that QR code that's just appeared right under me. And if you are listening, you go to podpage.com slash the true north eager beaver with the hyphen between each one of those words, all lowercase letters. And when you subscribe there, when we have an episode that's fresh off the bandwidth, it will come directly to your inbox and you will not miss a thing. So, hey, you do not have to go without your Daily Beaver. You don't. And you, you can sign up on the pod page as well for early releases and emails of that nature. Oh, thanks. And we will soon be able to, very soon, very soon, be able to create additional content for the Kits and Cubs on the uh, YouTube page for those who join there's a subscribe and then there's the join function and the join function we're going to create some additional content there but now that i need you to understand that there's subscription fees involved with that so we got to work out the details of that yeah it, it's not we're not there yet but we will be and we'll create some additional content like behind the scenes stuff for those who are curious to see how the sausage is really made yeah uh, but it, there, there is a subscription fee charge for that. That's when you join 
also with that, once we get that capability, if, if you're watching and you want to send a don- donation immediately during, it's called Super Chat, you can send money right during the chat right away instead of having to go to the coffee page. So it's just, yep. these are all things that are in the works and will soon be very much available to you to utilize. Yep. Whoops, that was the wrong button. Yep. The good folks at the Witch You Can Do Network are good friends there have that and uh, it seems to be very effective for them. There's a whole section that's called community that's almost like Twitter where you can actually post things that becomes available to you. So eventually we will get there. Thanks to you and your support. Thank you very much for that. If you would like to subscribe to our YouTube feed, make like in the lane and smash those buttons, please go there. True North Eager Beaver, sorry, True North Eager Beaver Media. That's our page. And you click like, share, and subscribe there. And yeah, that would make us very happy. If you want to make your beaver happy, subscribe. Okay. <laughs> subscribe for happy beaver. <laughs> Got some new stickers coming. Yes. We need the harp for that one. Subscribe for happy mm-hmm. beaver. <laughs> Let me find it. Hang on. I've got the harp here. I gotta find it. Oh, I got it. I got okay, it. Let's right try here. One more time. Say that again. Subscribe for Happy Beaver. Ah. <laughs> um, uh, and the little squiggly that you saw by Mr. Grizzly's head a couple of seconds ago, if you're watching, that brings you to our coffee page. And that's where you can make a donation to the Beaver Lodge Emergency Hydration Fund. And uh, whatever donations you recently made came through, because as you see today, I don't have any trouble getting through the closing with because my vocal cords are indeed moist. No, he must have got a donation. <laughs> we did get a donation two days ago, yes. That it's been put to good use. Ooh. That's your, uh, this is basically a small yoga mat. You put this under your keyboard and it will absorb most of the sounds. That is wonderful. I like that. Remember this Saturday. Podcast with friends this Saturday. So I can't wait. We have have friends friends coming up. Yay. So no one told you the lodge was going to be this way. (laughs) <laughs> didn't see that coming i've got twig for you <laughs> anyway <laughs> i know that sounded weird. bad that sounded i was really going to say i got wood and then i thought eh, maybe i'll for the, change that for twig <laughs> all right Damn, kids, we're, we're going off the rails we're going off the rails we're going off the rails i gotta go uh, all right from the Beaver Lodge, this is your Eagle Beaver saying it could be a tough world out there. So please be kind to and gentle with yourself. Mr. Grizzly, some words of wisdom, please. Get involved politically. With Start with your civic duty by looking at what you can do to make your municipality better. Write your local counselor. Find ways to improve upon your community from that is grassroots. And remember, folks, these right-wing evangelical religious zealots who are trying to save the children are getting in involved in school board yes that's where they start at the municipal involved in school boards and they start to change curriculum they start to get their religious ideology in they start to come up with charter schools and private education destroying our sacred public uh, institutions that we have built over the last 100 years don't let them do it get involved get involved yep all right 
Mr. Grizzly, please roll them credits. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. I'm so happy because I just got kisses from my sweetie. <laughs> Cassie Lake Beaver Bucks, the new cryptocurrency. Yes. All right. We like that. Just one little note for people who are watching in the United States. Jim Schwartz Jordan did not get the speakership on the first vote. Yesterday, they mm-hmm. swore to us up and down that this would be settled by the end of day. And then after not getting the first vote, he pushed the second vote back to 11 a.m. today. So, Oops. <laughs> Grab your popcorn. (laughs) Bye. See you Saturday. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.